You're listening to First Conyers Daily Podcast, Daily in the Word, with Pastor John Mark Oliver. Good morning. Today is Monday, March the 7th. Another start to another week. Had a great day yesterday of worship and song and in the Word. It was a great, just a great morning. And so I loved that passage, Genesis chapter 35, that we went through yesterday. Um, several things I want to be asking you to pray for. Um, there may be other prayer requests, and by the way, if you have a prayer request that you'd like for me to mention on our daily devotions, you can either message me through Facebook, or if you have my cell phone number, you can text me that prayer request, and we'll get the word out on that. But uh, Linda Williams last week had her hip replacement, and my understanding is she's recovering well, so be praying for for her and her recovery and uh, Brie Berry, uh, Pastor Zach's wife, just continue to pray for her. The medication is working, I think. And so just pray that she'd have complete healing. Pray for the pressure that Zach is under with that. James Wiseman, of course, is still recovering from his automobile accident. And uh, I understand he's doing well. Harold Danforth will be having PET scan tomorrow to determine just the extent of what uh, what maybe the tumor in his spine. So be praying for Harold. Vanessa, you started your radiation last week. We're praying for you. And then uh, Joan Moss informed me this morning that Ken, her husband, has two lesions they found on his pancreas. He has severe pancreatitis, and he's not doing well. So uh, they're going to be doing another procedure, I believe, today, if I understood correctly. So be praying for Ken. Pray for Joan. And this morning, I'm excited. We start in the book of Hebrews and have been looking forward to starting this. It's probably one of my favorite Old Testament books, if there is such a thing. But I just love the book of Hebrews. And so we're going to walk through it slowly as we see that Jesus is better, Uh, Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater than the angels, Jesus is greater than Moses, all the patriarchs, and uh, so the writer makes his case for the, just for the splendor of of Jesus, but in that first part of the chapter, uh, it's a word that strikes me, we'll talk about it more later, uh, where he begins to write, in past times God spoke, and uh, I, I just thought of the magnificence of God speaking to us. And this old song came to my, my mind, and so you'll know it. I come to the garden. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear Falling on my ear, the Son of God is And the melody that he gave 
as we tarry there, none other has ever gospel songs. Not sure if it was a gospel song or a hymn. I think when it was originally written, it was a it was a gospel song and then found its way into the church hymnetry. And so this morning, the book of Hebrews, as I stated kind of in the beginning, um, what the writer of the book of Hebrews is going to point out to his readers, he's, he's primarily writing to a Jewish audience. And there were things that the Jews revered and held very near and great men uh, who they esteemed as forerunners. And, of course, he starts with the angels, uh, the, I guess the second lowest um, created order. And he goes to show how Jesus is greater than the angels or is better than the angels. Then he begins with Moses, who had given the law to the children of Israel, God's first prophet, if you will. And how that um, that that Jesus is greater than Moses, and then he goes to the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to show how Jesus is greater than all of those, and oh, how great is salvation! The other thing he does is is draw so much from the Old Testament books, the the Pentateuch, the the first um, testament, if you will. Uh, it's it's not old in the sense of outdated. It just predates the New Testament. And so he draws from all of that to point to the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of what God had foreshadowed in, in, in times past. Uh, we, we refer to that as God's progressive revelation of redemption. In other words, in the garden after Adam and Eve had fallen, had sinned against God, God's plan immediately was to redeem them so that they might have a relationship with him because sin had separated mankind from relationship with God. Uh, our spirit became dead, and not only that, but physical death would also enter in. And God was making a promise there in Genesis chapter 3 uh, to Adam and Eve that there would be one that he would, he would there would be a way, there would be one that would come that to deliver mankind from sin. And the Bible is also very clear that just as one by one man, Adam, sin entered into the whole world, 
by one man Christ, God has made a way of salvation. So in the Old Testament, we'll see a progressive revelation of God revealing how he is going to save mankind. And of course, that culminates in the person of Jesus who he sent. So the writer of Hebrews is writing to these early believers in Jewish territory, primarily Jerusalem and Judea. And there's a lot of debate and discussion about who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, I personally don't think it was the Apostle Paul because there's not a lot of phrasing that uh, that are Pauline phrasing. In other words, the way that Paul typically writes in his letters, it's not the same in Hebrews. But you see a lot of influence from Paul. And so my best guess, and I'm no theologian, is that probably one of Paul's disciples, one who would have been uh, in a in in the in the mission ministry with Paul had perhaps written the book of Hebrews. We just don't know, and so I'm not going to argue that point. But let's start, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1. Uh, the writer says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke. Now, let me just pause here for a minute and think about that, that God spoke. You see, in that, in that, um, um, that Far East, there, Near East, uh, culture where there were so many other pagan gods. Uh, the Bible is very clear in certain specific places, especially some of the Psalms, that, that the idols, the other gods that the nations worship, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't speak. And so in, in this sense, it, it's pretty incredible that the writer would say, in past times, God spoke. And if you think about that, the creator of the universe, God, very God, spoke his word so that we might know him. He revealed himself to us. You see, none of us can know God unless God first makes the initiative to reveal himself to us in that drawing process of him drawing us to know him. And here he says that God spoke. Now, we know that uh, there, that we have the words that God spoke in the scriptures. We talked about who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, we don't know the human author, but we do know that the ultimate author was the Holy Spirit. As all scripture is God-breathed or inspired, Paul says, where the Holy Spirit guided men to write uh, the, the, the books of the scripture. It's God speaking. And what we have here is not black ink on white paper. It, but it is the very Word of God. That's why we reverence the Word of God. Um, and and not, not that we place that over our reverence to God, but it's His revelation. It's Him speaking to us, and re, we revere the Word of God. That's why in, 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 my, in pastoral ministry, I, I'm firm that the worship of God through the Word is central to our corporate times of worship. Uh, I love singing the, the old hymns. I love singing the new hymns. As long as they magnify God, I don't care when they were written. I love singing those. However, that is not the central focus of our corporate worship. The central focus of any church's corporate worship should be the Word of God. What is God saying to us that we might apply in our lives? And so here he says, in many times in past ways, we find in Scripture that, that God certainly spoke through the prophets. We find in Scripture that, that God spoke through the angels uh, to reveal his, his uh, revelation to man. Uh, so in various ways, God spoke through his miracle acts to, 
to, to reveal himself and his will to man. So in various ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And we are in the last days from the very moment of Jesus' ascension to, to heaven and the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And that way, up to today, the way that God speaks to us is through his son, Jesus. And the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. Uh, I get a little nervous when I hear people say, God told me. Um, yes, God can, can impress on our heart and God leads by the Holy Spirit. But somebody that's running around all the time saying, God told me, I want to question, did God tell you that? Uh, or are you telling yourself that? So we have to be very careful. I don't think you'll ever hear me saying, God told me. It may be that God's impressing on me, but the way that God speaks to us or affirms, confirms what he's leading us to do is by the word of God. And so to say God God told me, it's almost to say that God's still given revelation. God is not giving new revelation. The revelation of God was complete in the scriptures as John writes in the book of Revelation when he says, if anyone takes from these words or adds to these words, let him be accursed. And so we got to be very careful. And you hear somebody say, God told them, boy, you better have some ears perked up. Especially if somebody comes to you and says, God told me to tell you. I've had people at times tell me that. And I say, well, if he wants me to know, then he'll, he'll tell me through his word. So when somebody says, God told me, I want to ask, I'd rather hear God said in his word this. So anyway, that's a little, um, just a little rant there. But in, in these last days, God has spoken to us, to us through his son, whom, speaking of Jesus, he appointed the heir of all things, the one who would inherit it all. Uh, he's appointed him to be the heirs, and by the way, we are co-heirs with him, seated in the heavenlies with him, through whom he also created the world. Now, here he's going to begin to express um, the, the, the deity of Christ in various ways, in that, that through Christ, Christ was active in the creation of all of the universe and all of the world. Uh, Christ didn't just come into being when he uh, came in the incarnation through the Virgin Mary. Jesus has always existed for all of eternity with God the Father, as likewise with God the Holy Spirit. They've, they've existed for all of eternity. And so some of the cults teach that Jesus didn't really come until he came. No, Jesus has always been there, always been there in the past eternity and will always be there in the future. So we have the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All God, very equal God, yet distinct personalities, individuals. And so um, that's that's what the scriptures teach us. So uh, if you want to cross-reference to that of Christ's uh, creation, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, of Christ uh, being a part of creation and by whom all things hold together today. And so, uh, through whom he created the world, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He radiates the glory of God. Uh, encapsulated for a while uh, in his incarnation, we, we didn't see the glory of God in Christ except for specific times when he revealed his glory. And one particular time, if you remember when he, just uh, before he goes to the cross, he's on the Mount of Transfiguration and the, and the apostles see him there. And so uh, his glory was revealed 
He's a radiance of glory, the exact imprint of his nature. There's the deity of Christ. God, very God. And Jesus said that if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. And so um, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe. In, in one moment, um, he could speak it and the universe would be wiped out, would be destroyed. Um, it's not going to be some meteor that destroys the universe unless, or destroys the earth unless God allows that. But, but we, it, it's held together in his hands. It's held together by him. One day after he returns after the millennial kingdom, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth that is created. This earth, this world that we see is tainted, is affected by sin. And so it's going to be a new earth. Having become much as superior, excuse me, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Having made purification of sin. Think about that for a moment. By the blood of Christ, he has made purification for your sins and my sins. All my sins past, all my sins present, and all my sins future. He has made purification. He didn't just whitewash our sins. He didn't just cover over them. But this word purification has the deepest sense of cleansing. And it's by the blood of Jesus that our sins have been cleansed. They can't be cleansed any other way. They can't be cleansed by good works. They can't be cleansed by rituals and rites and acts. Only by the blood of Jesus when we place our trust in Christ's shed blood, that we're born again, he cleanses us from all sin. Oh man, give him praise for that right now. Then verse four, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? None is the answer to that. It's a rhetorical question. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Did he ever say that to the angels? Rhetorical question. Answer is no. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels, let all of the angels worship him. Did he ever say that about another angel? No. <laughs> of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. And so here the writer begins to expressly say, Christ is greater and he's better than the angels. We're going to pick up in verse 8 tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow and Wednesday have a couple of special mornings for you. There'll be a guest with me that you'll know. And so anticipate tomorrow with that guest that you'll all recognize and know. And I know you've come to love him through the years as I've been able to introduce him to you here at First Conyers. And so uh, just a little teaser, I'm heading over to Alabama this afternoon. I'll be there for a couple of days, but the person that I'll be with is going to be joining us on Morning Devotions. I encourage you to share this on your Facebook feed. We now have the Daily Devotion available not only on Facebook Live, of course, you can always go back and watch this later. But we are now putting it, it's on YouTube. You can go back and watch it later on our YouTube channel. It's on Spotify. You can hear it audibly. Uh, maybe if you're on your drive or commute in in the morning or whenever you want to listen to it. And it's also on iTunes as well. 
And so uh, I'll be posting on the post in the coming days what those addresses to those are. But I encourage you to spread the word. Today, ask God, God, give me an opportunity to plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart. God, if I recognize that it's been planted, Lord, give me the wisdom and the courage to be able to cultivate that seed. And Lord, by your grace, if you'd allow me to witness somebody to be saved today, God, that would be a great day. I pray the Lord blesses you. He keeps you. Have a great day and meditate on the fact and the reality that Jesus is superior. Have a great day. God bless you. Thanks for listening to our daily podcast. For more information about First Conyers, visit our website at firstconyers.com.